This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and may I welcome you. Today, I'm sure we have those watching for the first time, and we're delighted that you've chosen to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. I want you to stay tuned today. Please do. We're going to talk about the greatest thought that a person can ever have. And, and I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that today. Uh, this is so important. Now, today we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course. I, I emphasize that it is free. And in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive the course, Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading today from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Daniel Webster allegedly said on one occasion that, that the most serious thought that a person will ever have it is the thought of one day standing before God in the judgment giving account of his or her life to God. Think about that. One day we're all standing in the judgment and giving an account to God. That's a serious, serious thought. We're going to answer for that, uh, for our lives on that day. There were two men in a funeral home, and they were sitting up quite late in the funeral home in the parlor. And, and one of them said, as they were reflecting on the death of their friend, it sure is a serious thing to die, isn't it? And the other man replied, yes, it's a serious thing to die. But it's more serious for a person to live. You know, God made us as creatures of choice. 
And we are responsible for the choices and the decisions that we make in life. And responsibility carries with it answerability because we have the power of choice, because I am responsible for the decisions and the choices that I make in life, one day I must answer to God for the way that I have lived and the way that I have conducted myself. And man is a responsible being. Man is not some kind of a robot that, that God turned loose here on this earth. Man is not a, a machine that's turned loose. But man is an accountable being. He's an accountable being. That means every man. Romans 14 and verse 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And friends, in every age of Bible history, God has held man accountable for his conduct. You go back to the very beginning of time, to the time of Adam and Eve in the patriarchal age. Way back there in what we sometimes call the starlight age, they were, they were held accountable for the decision that they made in the Garden of Eden. They had a responsibility to do what God told them to do and not do in that garden. But because they shunned and neglected their responsibility, they paid a price and God held them accountable. They were driven from the garden. And as a result of that, sin and death entered into the world. And then you go down the stream of time to the, to the days of the Israelite nation. And, and sometimes we refer to that as the moonlight age. And during that period of time, God held Israel responsible for their conduct. Why, don't you recall the time they left the land of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea on their way to the Promised Land? And it wasn't long until they began to murmur and they began to complain. And God held them accountable for their sins. And, and over in the book of Numbers chapter 21, because of their sin, God sent fiery serpents among them and many of the people died. That's the time God told Moses to make a brazen serpent and a, one of brass and put it on a pole and everyone that would look at the serpent would live and not die. Uh, Jesus uh, referred to that in John 3, 14 when he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so in the case of the children of Israel and the, and the snakes, the vipers, they were being held accountable for their conduct and they were paying a price for it. And then you go into the sunlight age, that is the Christian age, and you read the letters that the Lord wrote to the seven churches of Asia. And in every case in the seven churches of Asia where there was wrongdoing, they were held 
accountable for their conduct. You see, the fact is, man is responsible. And the idea of responsibility is woven into the fabric of the Christian life. I want you to think about what we are as Christians. They think about what you are to be as a Christian and how God expects certain things from us because we are Christians. That is, we're responsible. We are branch in the vine. In John chapter 15, in the first uh, several verses there, at least the first eight verses, Jesus talked about the, the true vine, the branches. And in verse 8, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples indeed. So as a branch in that vine, I'm responsible for bearing fruit. Now, a, a branch that fails to bear fruit will be cut off and it will be cast into the fire. But I'm responsible for being a fruitful Christian. And I'm to bear fruit. Well, someone says, well, I, there are other people in the church that do a lot of good things. And I, I'm just not able to do anything. And I, I, I'm just going to sit down and, and let other people do the work for me. When you stand before God on the day of judgment, you're not going to get by on the fruit that other branches have borne. It's going to be what did you do? Well, I'm a, I'm a light on the candlestick. I'm to let my light shine. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You're the light of the world. A city, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And there it gives light to all the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So I have a responsibility, you see, let my light shine. And I can't get by on the light that someone else is shining in this world. I have to live a good life and to let people see Christ living in me. Also, I'm a stone in the building. And, and I can't get, get by on the support that someone else gives in the building. I have to do my part. Now, the point I'm trying to make is that once you're baptized into Jesus Christ, God has certain responsibilities that He's placed upon us. Is it important for a person to be baptized? Absolutely. To be saved, we must believe on Christ and repent of our sins, confess our faith, and be baptized into Christ. And the reason we're to do that is because that's exactly what the Bible teaches us to do. But that's not the end of the road once we're baptized. We have certain responsibilities. And, and there are different attitudes that people have toward responsibility. And not only do we sometimes see these attitudes in the church, we see them in society in general. We're living in a, in a time where many people do not want to assume responsibility for their conduct. 
But very frequently, people try to blame their conduct on other things. And that's been going on for a uh, long, long time. Actually, it started in the Garden of Eden, did it not? The man and woman sinned, and they ate of the fruit in the midst of the garden, and God asked the man about it. He says, the woman did it. The woman you gave me, she caused me to do it. She gave it to me. Comes to the woman, why did you do it? It's the serpent. The serpent caused me to do it. You see, we, we, that, that's not assuming responsibility. We have to assume responsibility for our actions in life. And all through the years, people have been trying, as, as someone has referred to it, as to pass the buck, to blame it on other people. Some try to blame society. So some try to blame history, that is, actions and things that have taken place in history for their conduct today. The fact is, one day, every one of us will stand before God on the day of judgment, regardless of who we are, regardless of who we may be, how important we think you are, and you're going to give an account to God for how you have assumed responsibility in life. You're going to give an account of your life to God. But, but there are different attitudes that people have about responsibility. Here's one attitude. Some people just don't do anything. They, they don't do anything. You see, they, they prefer to get by on what other people are doing. They're waiting on others to act. They're waiting on others to, to help them. They're waiting on others to wait on them. They just don't do anything. That kind of reminds me of the Lord's statement in Matthew chapter 20. And he said, why do you stand here idle all the day? Why, why don't you get out and work? Why don't you assume responsibility for your life? You're just doing nothing. And, and some are like the one talent man in Matthew chapter 25. The Lord gave him, his master gave him one talent. His Lord gave him one talent. So he took it and he hid it. And he hid it because he was fearful of what would happen. The, fa the thing that caused that man to be lost, he just didn't do anything. He did nothing. He didn't assume responsibility for using what he had been given wisely. He did nothing. So that's one attitude that people have. They, they are not doing anything. Now, the fact is, when you shirk a duty, you lose a blessing. I'm sure there are things that you know that you should be doing as a father, as a mother, as a citizen in this country. There are things that you ought to be doing as a, as a Christian, you see, when we shirk a duty that we have, some responsibility, something that's been placed upon us, folks, we're going to lose a blessing. That the person that is blessed is that person who puts the shoulder to the wheel. In James 1.25, the Bible says, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, this man being not a forgetful here, but a doer, a doer, 
That's action. That's, that's, getting in, that's getting in action. A do of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. So there are those that do nothing. We have a responsibility to, 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 to be doers and not shirkers. Because if we shirk our duty, we neglect our duty, we're going to lose a blessing. And then in the third place, you're responsible not only for the bad we do, we're responsible for the good that we might do. And will God hold us accountable for all of the bad things we'd absolutely, absolutely. We read that from 2 Corinthians 5. Give an account whether good or bad. But you see, we're responsible not only for the, for the bad things that we do, and when we do those bad things, we need to correct them. Maybe, for example, that you've had a dispute with a neighbor. Maybe there's some kind of a, of a, a commotion going on in your, in your family, even your extended family, and, there, and there, there's tension, there's strain or strained relationship. If you're going to do the right thing, you'll try to straighten all of that out. You see, we're responsible not only for, for bad stuff that we do, we're responsible for the good that we might do. James 4.17 says, if a, to, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. You see, I, I have a responsibility for doing all the good that I can. Uh, we're to do good to people, Galatians 6 and 10. Of course, especially to those that are a household of faith, that is, that are Christians. And I ought to do all the good that I can to all the people that I can for as long as I can. And I believe on the day of judgment I'll be held accountable for all the good that I could have done that I did not do. What about you? But here's another thing about responsibility. We're responsible not only for what we know, but God will hold us accountable for what we do with what we know. You know, Jesus said, to whom much is given of him, much shall be required. And, and if you have knowledge, the knowledge of, for example, of what people must do to be saved. If you know that and you don't do anything with it, you don't share that knowledge that you have with someone else we're going to be held accountable for that. Maybe that's the reason in James, the third chapter in verse 1, we're told, be not many teachers. And that is, James says, because in many things we offend all. If a man is a teacher of the Bible, for example, he's got knowledge. And because he has knowledge of what is right, then that, there's a greater judgment a greater responsibility resting upon that individual. You see, we have to do all the good we can with all the knowledge that we have. And I have an idea. There are many people that have knowledge of what ought to be done. As a matter of fact, I know that's the case because it's not infrequently that I have someone say, well, Brother Lambert, here's what I think we ought to do. Well, my question ought to be to that individual, what are you doing about it? 
If you know something ought to be done, if you know the poor ought to be helped, hungry ought to be fed, if you know there are people that need comforting, if you know there are people in the hospital that need to be visited, if you know there are young people that need mentors, what are you doing about it? You see, God will hold us accountable for not only for, for, for what we know, but he will hold us accountable for what we do with what we know. But here's another thing. We're not only responsible for the starting of the Christian race, but we are responsible for finishing, for running well. The day you obey the gospel by believing in Christ and being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins is a day that you start running a race. It's called the Christian race. And we ought not to let anything hinder us from running. Sometimes people do. Galatians 5 and 7 speaks of those who were hindered from running well. There Paul addressed them and he said, You did run well. Who did hinder you? Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? So we not only start the race, but we have to run to the end. You say, How are you going to do that, Brother Lambert? Well, one of the ways that we run to the end is keep our eyes on where we're going. I remember a number of years ago reading a, a story about a rock quarry in England. This must have been many, many years ago. And there was a deep precipice between two ledges of rock and to go from one side of that precipice to the other, there was a board walkway that had been built. And the men would have to roll their wheelbarrows filled with rock from one side to the other. And as they would be walking across, pushing that wheelbarrow, there would be someone on the other side saying to them, don't look down. Keep your eyes on where you're going. You know, that's pretty good advice for living, isn't it? I believe we're responsible for keeping our eyes on where we're going. Paul realized that when he wrote Philippians 3.13, when he said, I count not myself to have yet apprehended, but, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had his eyes on the prize. You see, it, we're, we're responsible for not only being baptized into Christ, starting the race, I want to emphasize upon you, you are responsible for finishing and running well. There's been examples in the Bible of people who started out following Jesus in John 6 and 66 to 68 talks about those who turn back and walk with him no more. And I know, I've known of people who were baptized into Christ 
They were faithful for a time, then they turned back and walked with him no more. That's a sad thing. And on the day of judgment, they'll have to give an account to God for turning back. But then we're responsible for helping other people see the light. Would you like to help other people see the light? We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the question is asked in Genesis 4 and 9, Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes, you are. There's a sense in which we are responsible for, the, for other people to help them. And, and to, it'd been better if that fellow had been his brother's brother, wouldn't it? He might not have killed his brother. But he was his brother's keeper. And there's a sense in which we all are our brother's keeper. I read a story. It may have been a little embellished by this missionary. I don't know. But uh, about a medical missionary who who performed surgery on a native and, and caused him to be able to see and helped his eyes. And he went missing. But later that native who had been helped by this medical missionary came back. And he had six other people with eye problems holding hands, and he was leading them to the doctor. He felt responsible for finding people who had the same need he had to help them be able to see. We're responsible for helping other people to see the light of the gospel. We're, we're, we're responsible for helping other people to understand what they need to do to go to heaven one day. And folks, I believe we're responsible for helping to build up the church, the local church in our community. Some of you that are watching are members of the Church of Christ. Some of you are not members of the Church of Christ, but you visit the Church of Christ. And I want to congratulate you for visiting with the church. If you're not, let me invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. But I believe we owe a debt to the church. And we need to help build it up. Judgment one day is going to be on an individual basis and we'll be held accountable for what we have done with the duties and responsibilities of this life. May God help us to measure up today. I want to thank you for watching today and let me urge you to call right now for the free Bible correspondence course and also please Visit with us at the Church of Christ in your community. And you know where it's located. You just call us. You just get in touch with us. And we'll help you. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.